Welcome to episode 66, Launching Your Product with Digital Marketing. Welcome to the PR Playbook Podcast, the only podcast giving you actionable skills and advice you need to execute a strategic PR program. Warning, what you hear next may lead to brand awareness and increased sales and customer exposure. Now here's your host, Rinjini Joshua. Hello and welcome today to episode 66. I'm speaking with a beloved partner of the Silver Telegram and the CEO of Russell Marketing, Will Russell. Thanks for joining me today on today's PR Playbook Podcast. Thank you, Rinjini. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, no, I'm excited to interview you because I think, you know, we've been working together for quite a few years now, and we've done several campaigns that are really focused on the launch of a new product. And I think it's important to know that PR alone, of course, does not uh, make a successful launch. So you have a lot of different elements to it. Digital marketing is a huge component, especially when we're talking about crowdfunding. Will and I have done several crowdfunding campaigns and then regular projects, too. And I think, um, you know, digital marketing is kind of an essential part of crowdfunding, but also a really good partner to PR when it comes to launching any kind of product. So if you're actively engaging a PR agency, you probably want to fire on all cylinders. You definitely want to hire a digital marketing agency as well, or, or make sure they have digital marketing capabilities. And then the same reverse. So today we're going to ask Will, some really key questions when it comes to um, launching a new product. Are you ready? Great. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, first, first, before we get started into the questions, why don't you give a little quick background on yourself and Russell Marketing? Sure. Well, as, as you said, I'm doing Russell Marketing. We are a launch marketing agency. And at the core, we have a, a five-step system that we implement on behalf of our clients. And so we're using channels like advertising, email marketing, referral marketing, landing page design. And what we're trying to do is, is validate number one and, and successfully launch these products or these events or or these ideas. The nature of the space we're in does mean as you as you point out, we do a lot of crowdfunding, but I think that the, the launch system and launches in general extends well beyond just the Indiegogo and Kickstarter space and and there's a lot of folks now who are launching their own pre-orders. There's a lot of different uh, kind of Shopify platforms and plugins that allow you to run these campaigns yourself. And so we're doing more and more uh, of, of the, the non-crowdfunding stuff and trying to replicate this launch system in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there's there's so many things that go into a launch. Obviously, we're not the only two players. There's a lot of other stuff, product packaging, uh, things like that. And I think I think it goes to be said too, if uh, you don't have a great product or you haven't really put in all your effort into the art, the design, the the photos, I mean, the images, the um, assets that you have to build around those kinds of things, we also can't do our job properly. And I think. That's also important. So every piece of the puzzle is great, but us two together, I think, also very much complement each other, along with social media marketing as well. So when you know you're specializing in launch marketing, which I love, and I think what makes this different from regular digital marketing um, when you're launching, 
I think is important to know. So what is different from like, let's say like you're just managing a day-to-day project versus launching a product. What are the key elements that go into like a launch? Yeah, I would say that there are a few different things that make launch marketing different from traditional digital marketing. Firstly, is how much time you have. So when we're working on on clients who have a 12-month calendar to, to run campaigns, there's there's a lot more opportunity to learn and, and fail, frankly, and, and learn from those failures and change things and improve things and go slow and steady. When you're launching something, as you know, Ranjini, the client often wants it tomorrow, launched as soon as possible, and there's no time uh, for, for mistakes. There's no time for room for errors. Yeah. So it really extends your plans and your strategies into a really, really short time frame, and you have to learn really, really quickly. And 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 within that, I would say that when you're when you're looking at these longer term strategies, you see a lot of you see a lot of information out there, and you love information on testing and optimization, and that's important. Don't get me wrong. But when you're launching, you don't have the the, the time to be slowly, slowly testing. You have to test things that and try things that will create massive impact rather than just increments. And so I think one of the things that we have to focus on in, in our launch marketing strategy is you know, not what's going to improve something by a small percentage point, or not how is copy A going to be a little bit better and how it performs versus copy B, but what's going to fundamentally change the trajectory of this launch? What are the changes we can make or the learnings we can get which is going to take this from a six-figure campaign to a seven-figure campaign or it's going to double the conversion rate, really, really big, uh, big changes. And so along those lines, I think what one of the differences you'll see in working with a, an agency that specializes in launches versus one that doesn't is how, how predictive they can be in, in what these uh, impactful areas are. Uh, they will, having done lots of campaigns, they know what to look out for, what's going to change the game, uh, and folks who approach these on a longer time scale, a campaign of a 12 months or 18 months, just don't have that uh, experience to, to focus on these really impactful areas. So for people like you and I, we know what changes the game and when we have four weeks to do it. Right. Uh, and that's really important to understand coming into a launch. So, I mean, that you bring up a really interesting point that I think um, I'd like to touch on, which is, the sense of urgency. And, you know, like you said, when you have a 12 to 18 months, you don't have like a lot of sense of urgency, you have time to test, you can test things out. And that usually happens like maybe after a lot of like a formal launch. But if someone's not doing a crowdfunding campaign, or a Kickstarter campaign, or even a pre-order campaign, if they're just launching, what are some things that you think like maybe you guys have done on the digital marketing side that can kind of create that sense of urgency because that's often what some of our clients have trouble with is like, oh, well, we want to do Kickstarter because it's a 30-day window or a 60-day window and that will generate a lot of sales in those 30 to 60 days that can kind of help us, you know, gain that momentum. Without those those parameters, how can you create a sense of urgency with your campaign? I think with, if you launch your own thing on your own website without crowdfunding or any of these pre-order pieces, uh, then creating the urgency just comes from 
building out offers that people have to take advantage of in a timely way. So right. crowdfunding, you have these time periods, yes. But if you're launching your own your own product, I think the first thing you would consider is what kind of launch trajectory do you want? Because there is this urgency component to launches because people want uh, like a big day one. You know, they want the success and the blooms and the, the et cetera, et cetera. And in order to get there, you need massive urgency. Mm-hmm. And, and I consider that like when you're talking about the, the tortoise uh, and the hare, you know, that, that story. Because the hare, you go really, really quickly. But there is another approach, especially for people who are doing their own launch, which is the tortoise. And you can take it a little bit more slowly. You still have less time. Uh, but but the incentivization of making people act quickly has a little less of a priority. So I want to make sure people are conscious that if they don't want this big, big day one and they don't want to a lot of effort and energy into this big bonanza of a launch, that's okay because there are other ways to, to set about your launch trajectory. But I would say, I mean, simply having a limited quantities, uh, having additional bonuses for people that act quickly, having time frames whereby offers are only available during certain time frames, mm. you're tapping into uh, and resolving a lot of the questions or objections that would come in advance. If you want to have a big, urgent launch, then you can't have people arising on launch day and asking questions about this, that, and the other. Those questions need to have been answered and resolved before you launch. Right. If you're under no urgency, that doesn't really matter. You can answer those questions as you go. That's so making sure that everything is done in advance of launch to number one, resolve any possible lingering questions. Right. Just give people a reason to act now rather than wait a week or wait a month and that can be discounts or additional offers or bonuses, uh, referral opportunities, uh, any bits and pieces like that can, can work well. Yeah, I, th- I think that's good. Like preparation, no matter what you're doing, a regular la- traditional launch, crowdfunding launch, I think preparation is so key just to kind of think of all the, you know, maybe different little nuggets and areas that you can add value at or answer questions. I know, you know, in campaigns that we've done together, it's like these little pieces of content where people are asking questions, but we don't have the answer to fill those things. So asking yourself all the questions possible in advance so that you could create that content. And like you said, kind of give them what they need as you go. Right. And, and asking the audience, right, as well as yourself, I think something people and to think about, and I'm sure you see this, right? how many how many potential launch clients do you speak to who think they're going to be raising a million dollars? Yeah, <laughs> everyone. Everyone, and, and this is their idea, this is their product. So obviously, they've got to have belief in it, and then you want them to have belief in it and faith in it, but their perception doesn't match the market. You know, what they think and their friends think and what their mum thinks isn't necessarily what the market's going to think. Mm-hmm. So as well as making sure they're asking these questions for themselves and you know, what is it thinking what is it that these prospective customers will ask me think of really easy and simple strategies is to ask them and uh, and use some of this pre-launch stage period to put this out there put the product out there uh, and, and start hearing some of the questions that come back and that gives you plenty of time as you mentioned to prepare and build out all these answers so that when you turn that uh, dial up from one to a hundred at that launch. Yeah, you're not 
slapping around trying to trying to compile this information. It's already ready to go, and you can just knock it out and, and get these answers published quickly. Yeah, I think I think that's maybe one of the mistakes that some startups make when they're launching new products, especially when it comes to these kind of Kickstarter campaigns. But even when it comes to their own launches, is that they don't realize that it should also be kind of a form of of testing the market. Yeah, okay, you have a product, you have some value propositions, that's fantastic. You have a you know kind of what your target demo is, but there's still so much you can learn in this process. And I think if you're nimble, and that's that's the difference between a launch agency, I think. You're nimble and you can like shift quickly. And so I think also the client, the the brand also has to be nimble and be able to kind of adjust, right, as we go. Yeah, I mean, nimble is is an important point. For example, as you might have seen, there's a lot of enterprise companies, kind of global corporations, getting involved in this launch space. Mm -hmm. JBL has launched a number of campaigns, Canon has launched campaigns, because it's a great way to validate an idea. That's exactly what it is. It's a great way of getting an idea out there and seeing how the market responds. However, the thing about these bigger companies is the lack of nimbleness they have. And that makes it really challenging. It's also it's almost like there's two competing forces when we're working on these enterprise campaigns. The whole purpose of a lot of these strategies around a launch is to be able to make these decisions on the fly and be able to change pretty quickly and pivot very quickly. And bigger companies just, just are unable to do that. You know, the decision making processes, the number of people that need to be involved in decisions, the back and forth that everything requires, the legal components of everything. It makes it make it very, very, very challenging. So again, I think that's a difference between just regular marketing and launch marketing. If you're in an ecosystem or in a company where decisions take a long time to be made, maybe launch marketing isn't for you because it's gonna be a struggle to adapt quickly enough to take advantage of, of the opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel like I can go on on this this topic. So I'm going to go to the next question. If you're wanting to launch a digital marketing strategy, you're getting ready for an upcoming launch, Where? what is a good place to start? Let's say you have nothing. Okay, let's just pretend I'm a brand new company and you, you have nothing. What is the good place to start for digital marketing specifically? I think before you, before you push too hard or go too deep in your digital marketing, you know, I mean, any marketing, I would say, is this validation component that we touched on. We'll have people come to us and have spent a lot of money on product development, for example, mm-hmm. and preparing their first manufacturing run and working with designers and et cetera, et cetera, without actually understanding whether this product at this price point in this manner of presentation is what people want. Yeah. And so we're doing anything. Uh, we would suggest validate your idea. And as I said, don't validate it with your close friends. Don't validate it with your, uh, your family, your mom. Validate it with strangers because there's no one who's going to be more cool than you know strangers on the internet. And, and that's true. And so get this idea out there. You can have some very basic photos, renders even, a couple of mock-up designs, just to give people an idea of what is this going to be when it's ready. And get it out there. Run some cool ad campaigns. Drive some traffic to the landing page and just see do people even care. And if they do, and you're able to understand, well, this audience works well, or this message works well, 
saying we can move forward and start investing more money and time into the idea, but for anyone we speak to, the biggest recommendation is validate this is an idea that will work before going any further uh, and save yourself potentially a lot of profit and money. And I, I, you know, I, I, I love, you know, you kind of introduced this idea to me because I'm not a digital marketer. I mean, I am in a different way, but uh, I think I'm not a digital marketer. I don't work with Facebook ads on a daily basis. I do them when I have to. It's kind of like that. And I, I love this validation because it actually, for us, it actually gives so much value to the client because it could tell you if you need to move forward or not. You know, like I think, I think that's the thing or or if you need to make adjustments so that when you do launch, you'll have a higher grade of success. And so I think that validation part is such a good investment because you're not like you're not just paying for a validation. You're also getting data. You you provide so much data around the validation. And I think it's such a just like it's a little bit of time that you're kind of investing also with the money. But I think it's so worth it because you kind of have a very clear scope at the end of that validation. Like, okay, okay the product launch is probably going to go something like this, right? Yeah. You have just a better vision of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, and it's a reality check as well. Yeah. A lot of yeah. Both ways, though. You know, I think the fear entrepreneurs have suddenly posted with these validation ideas is, well, what if it doesn't work? You know, I've spent a year of my life planning for this already. What if it doesn't work? And that's, it's scary, yeah. But on the flip side, we've had projects where We've been able to come back to the client at the end of validation and say, you can raise your prices here. The market's going to respond at a much higher price point. And yeah, they, nice. when they look, they've raised their prices and they've ended up bringing more revenue than they would have done otherwise. So it can work both ways. It's not just a, uh, is this going to fail? But it's a, how can you position this offer in the most meaningful and successful way before you start investing a whole bunch of time and money in it? Yeah, no, I love it. I I absolutely love it. I want to offer it to as many people as I can that I think will consider it. I think everyone should consider it. But you know, there's people who are, you know, like you said, the the new product or product launches their baby and they're just going to go forward no matter what. So the best thing we could do is just gather the data that will help support that if they're not willing to do the validation. Right. Do you Do you still think, what are your feelings about email? You know, I feel like email is still very king in in the world but you know how do you navigate when it's so noisy right now how do you think email still has that same precious value yeah i, I do but i also think that it's irresponsible to rely solely on email when you and i first met and started working together a few years ago it was all about building an email list and you yeah. build an email list and you launch and everything's great and it's just so different now. I think building email lists is still a really high priority uh, during that pre-launch phase, getting people excited, getting people into the community, but that can't be the only touch point you have, and that can't be, can't be all your eggs in that basket. So right. when we work on campaigns, you know, we recommend, hey, add PR, add other bits and pieces to this strategy. It's, it's the same with, with email. Rather than just looking at emails, like, well, how about SMS? How about starting Facebook groups? How about uh, chatbot marketing? How can you create all these different touch points with, with a prospect so that if their inbox is overcrowded, uh, which it often is these days, they're not going to miss the message because there's well, all these other ways they can connect with you. Okay, you, you talked about text message. So I, wanna, I just want to touch on that because 
I think that's really tricky, right? Like, can you tell me more about how you think people can leverage text messages? Because I don't know, I'm a little, con- I myself is a, like, I'm a little confused about what the best text messages are because I've seen, I've seen spam, obviously. And then there's one person, like I texted one person, it was an influencer for a client of ours. And so I was texting with them, but then I got on their, their SMS list. So like, um, and, and he has some interesting content every once in a while. I don't even know if it's, oh, I'm sure it's planned, but like every once in a while, it's like a gardening tip. So I'll get like a gardening tip. So like, what do you think? I mean, I think you can really damage a relationship with SMS. Um, how do you nurture an SMS? That seems like so, uh, personal, <laughs> intimate. <laughs> yeah. I think it's generational as well. You know, right. you and I, uh, right. <laughs> it was really new when we were much, much younger. Yeah. It's a different ball game now. I guess we we would always look, we talk about these multiple channels, but we're looking at it in terms of giving the user choice. So we're not bringing one union to an email list and forcing her to be on SMS and forcing her to be in a group. So we're presenting the options and whatever works best for one union is what we're going to, is what we're going to do. So if, she wants to give us her phone number so we can text her on launch day, then great, give us a phone number. But if she doesn't want it, that's fine too. You know, we're going to work to try and identify and build whatever relationship you want with us. Maybe you spend a lot of time on Facebook. Maybe you spend a lot of time, maybe you do spend time in your inbox. Right. Maybe, uh, so it's just another option, basically. Another option, yeah. And, and I, I don't know if I can speak too much to nurturing because... Uh, we don't use it for that capacity. We use it purely as a touch point. Okay. So when we launch, we need to know people know. And that's a way of making sure that people know. But we're not going to be sending multiple text messages. Because I too, like you, I find that a bit invasive. So we try to avoid it. Um, and just use it for the most important, most important message. Yeah, I, I like, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like if you're launching... Even if you're a company who gets text message, you know, subscribers and says, yes, opt me in whenever you launch a new product. So then you you just do that one text. It's not like an ongoing conversation. Right. And, and it works. Sure. Some people might not like having a couple of messages, but firstly, they've signed up for it in the first place. You know, you right. Them. They opted in. Yeah. And then just the response rate is astronomical. Compared to things like email marketing, the open rates, the click rates, it's just astronomical. So in the case of making sure everyone who's interested in what you've got to offer is aware that you're now live and launched and it's available, there's just nothing beats it at the moment. That's a good That's a good point. Yeah, I think you have to be very crafty with it, though. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so we we've talked about a lot of different things. I I, I can... I have so many questions just for me, um, but how how do you think you can um, leverage, you know, the work that we do in PR with media, how can you leverage that to kind of supplement what you do in digital marketing when you're launching a new product? Yeah, probably a, a couple of things come to mind, and I'll turn this back, turn this back on you as well from your perspective, but I think the first is just alignment and communication and learning. You know, when we're working together, or we're working with an API agency, or you're working with a digital advertising company, they're learning lots of different things, and you're learning lots of different things, and making sure you communicate that is so important, because we're going to be learning things that are super useful for you, and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So just making sure that there's a communication 
going on there and lessons are being passed between each other. And the second thing I, I think is timing. We're, especially with launch campaigns, we have these we have these periods of traction, right? Some digital especially. Mm-hmm. And that means there's also periods of low traction. So looking at things with PR, for example, PR has the opportunity to in some ways be timed in a way that's more meaningful. So if if ads and email have given you a big big launch success early on, you've had a lot of people come in and people are buying your product and then things quiet down a bit. That's where something like PR can come in and from a time part timing perspective help give the launch and the campaign specific boost at specific times. Right. So ads and and PR can lean on each other, I suppose, because they're not all going to be fantastic all the time. Yeah. But, but how do you, I mean, when we work together, what is it you look for from us? What do you find useful from us to make sure your PR work is best? That's an excellent question. Um, yeah, I think for us, it's really good for us to understand which demographic is responding the most, because then we will focus on those media outlets that address those demographics. And uh, we obviously, when a launch is happening, we focus on online um, primarily, but the, tr- the secondary one is obviously like print and broadcast and, and other avenues. But yeah, I think from you, we really like to hear back on which angles are resonating with, with the markets because then we could pitch those same angles to the media. And mm-hmm. if they resonate, I, I agree. Like, when the media writes something, what we've done in the past with um, digital marketing is like, oh, hey, we expect, you know, Yahoo News to be posting this article. We can lower digital ad spend for a couple days and then pump it back up after that and maybe leverage pieces of that article for advertising, like the angle that they took. So it's, we're really looking at messaging and which messages are like, you know, resonating with people. To piggyback on that, you mentioned using that PR and your messaging, that's something important. That's, that's something we can't do until a campaign is live and a launch is happening. But it's, it's a really useful way of getting third-party credibility. One of the biggest challenges for anyone launching something, especially if they're first thing, is mm-hmm. they don't credibility. And, but if we can get these PR messages, you know, something featured by Mashable or Business Inside or Forbes or Yahoo or whatever it is, and we can sprinkle that into our advertising. That third-party credibility goes a long, long way. Yeah, so, like as seen in, you know, whatever. Yeah, or nice quotes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So, I mean, we're skipping over a lot of questions here. And hopefully, if you guys have any questions and you're watching or listening to this, um, we are um, posting this on YouTube if you want to watch. Um, but also, if you have any questions, just shoot me an email, and I'll make sure to connect with Will to get the answer for you. But what kind of ads are we looking I mean, ad budgets are we looking at? So we're getting into product launches. Maybe I'm a brand new product, a brand that's never launched anything before. Obviously, there's like that validation phase and then there's um, the launch phase. But what kind of budgets are we looking at to get started? If I'm launching something like a gadget or a product um, that needs to be in someone's hands, I'm sure it kind of differs. But what's a, what's a healthy ad budget to start with? I would say a healthy ad a healthy ad budget does depend on what you want to achieve. But as a rule of thumb, I think keeping in mind that if you're launching something, you should expect to spend about 
15 to 20% of the revenue you're trying to bring in on your ad budget, I think that's reasonable. So okay. if you want to raise $50,000 in a month, you should be expecting to spend a good $10,000 on your, on your digital advertising. Over time, that number can go down. Those dollars you bring in early on, those are going to be the, the, the most valuable dollars you ever spend in your advertising budget. And so you should expect to spend a little more per customer than you might want to in the long run. But over time, you build that traction, build that credibility. This 20% number may go down to 15%, may go down to 10%. But as a rule of thumb, uh, across any sort of budget and any sort of revenue figures, I think that 20% number is a good one to keep in mind. Yeah. That's a good conservative estimate, I think. <laughs> so are you, okay, so now we're in pandemic. <laughs> this is like going on forever. Um, it feels like it. I'm sure we'll get out of it at some point. But, you know, what are the, like, I mean, everyone's online. I think we've got a lot of fatigue. We've got a lot of, you know, it kind of fluctuates, right? Like you get really tired and then you get back on and then you, you kind of do this like weird phased approach now with the internet and your phone and everything. Are you seeing any particular trends on Facebook advertising or email marketing like that would affect some kind of launches or things that people should consider when they're creating this like strategic plan? What kind of trends are you seeing right now in, in digital marketing? Well, the, the pandemic being very fruitful for e-commerce and yeah. more people launching and more people spending money online than ever before so uh, i think the digital advertising industry has been probably the the least affected we certainly haven't felt the bad effects that a lot of have felt trend wise i mean maybe the pandemic accelerated the competitiveness and more people are spending more money online, more people being, being brands and marketing companies are spending more money online than ever before, and that just makes life harder for everyone. Yeah. There's more pitching, there's more changes, there's more privacy concerns you hear about all the time. So, if anything, it just made everything a little bit harder. But that's, that's a, that's a natural evolution of, of these platforms, I think, and maybe the pandemic just sped it up. But I think when I'm, when I'm looking at trends or thinking about trends, the most important thing is, well, I'm always thinking about how to diversify because Facebook in the last couple of years has taken a bit of a, a bit of heat, you know, and as is the, the, the lifespan of any big company, it's probably not going to last forever. And so what is the next Facebook advertising platform? What is the next Google advertising platform? And how can we make sure that these trends and these ups and downs uh, don't have a big effect on what we do. Uh, how can we diversify what we do uh, and have the platforms we use to, to avoid being being at risk of these fluctuations and constant changes? And I, there is an answer to that. You know, Facebook is still the best by a long way in the advertising platform. Yeah. Uh, so we're hoping that others come up. Uh, TikTok, we're trying out a bit more these days than we used to. Uh, there's a few other options out there that we're testing. Uh, but hopefully just diversifying and finding as they come in these, these new opportunities, these new platforms, because they'll be the cheapest ones to, to use. Uh, and generally, the biggest hurdle is just how expensive these platforms get because of how competitive they get. So the yeah. more we can find anything that's a lower cost of advertising, a lower cost of reach, it's going to be huge for us and anyone launching products like this. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like everything's getting more expensive. So it, it does. It put the, the competitive um, edge is, is much higher. <laughs> so PR wise, I imagine things have changed more than traditional ads. Like obviously events haven't been happening for a year. Yeah. No events. Um, and similarly, like the competitive edge has been sped up. So when we're talking to media, we're competing against twice as many products that are, dying to get these media coverage, right? So it is, it's very hard. But the one thing about PR or new product launches is I did find, I mean, right now where we've kind of resumed kind of, I think back to normal almost, but I would say, you know, a big part of 2020, a lot of production just slowed down, right? So there wasn't a lot of new products that were coming soon. There wasn't a lot of, for us, a lot of big product launches until I would say October or September, October, when people felt more comfortable in launching stuff. So there was a little bit of a window between like March and August or yeah, between March and August where everything kind of slowed down, but, um, but people were concerned with their online presence. So that was different. It was a different kind of PR that we were working on. It wasn't necessarily product marketing, but just awareness, brand awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting and tricky. I find it a little daunting too, because I, I I don't know all the nooks and crannies of online, and we're missing a lot of the physical stuff, events, print, uh, magazines, things like that, where you know you really have to stand out, and not everybody's willing to take a risk to stand out too. So that's another thing. So you know, if the more risky you are, I feel like the better chance you have to stand out, but that doesn't mean you don't have a chance if you're a conservative, you know, Yeah. it's just, you're, you're, you're playing with all the other competitors that you have in that pool. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So is there any like couple of tips? I, I, we always like to kind of leave off with some hacks or tips or something that people can apply to their product launch strategy or whatever we're talking about. Any tips that either people you've seen do terribly wrong or things that just might like give them a light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. I mean, I would say going back again to, to validate, 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 validate. Don't spend a lot of time and money and energy without this proof of concept. Uh, that's just so important. And I would also, I think one of the things we tend to see is a because because there's so much out there on digital marketing, digital advertising, there's so much great information and courses and whatnot that people people want to do it themselves and, and I understand that. It's not brain surgery, people can do it themselves. They can learn it and they can implement good stuff. There's great uh, training out there to do that. But in the context of launches, you're playing with fire a little bit in taking the little time you do have to try and learn. There's a reason there are experts out there and there's a reason they're the best at what they do because they, they have, we talked earlier about being able to predict and, and that's really important. So I think, I say it penny-wise and pound-foolish, that thing, you know, don't be cautious of trying to cut your cost too much early on because this, this is the launch. This is, uh, you can't do this again. Can, but you can't like, rewind time and do this particular launch again. Right. But, but you need to have the best people around you, and you can't do everything yourself. 
So if, if ever there's a time to invest in improving your concept and validating your idea, just give yourself that opportunity. You know, put 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 the investment in, bring on the right people, bring on the right people around you, whether it's advertising or customer service or PR or photography, you know, really give yourself the best shot because this is this is your one chance at launching this thing uh, that you've been planning to launch probably for a long time. I would say that's a big one. Don't be too wise and, and kind of foolish. And the uh, second thing I would just make sure people are aware of is just understanding what's going on, mm-hmm. whether it's data or uh, kind of what, what's happening below the ice, below the ice, but, you know, and I suppose below the water. There's a lot of these, you see the revenue, you see the money, you see the, the sales, but what goes on understand behind that and tracking that and making sure everything's set up give you the best learning possible. Um, it's terrible when someone spends thousands of dollars on, on a campaign and they, they might have the customers, yes, they have some customers, but they don't have any data or learning or understanding the question of, you know, well, what works? They don't really know these things. And so just making sure at the start, you're planning and preparing to set up this launch in a way where you'll be able to learn from it. And this is a, this is the start of your long-term marketing strategy and efforts and making sure preparing in the right way to set up that foundation is really important and people often skip ahead and they just want to get the sales but that pre-work is so important yeah that's great advice i I agree with you 100 so i um you know and i've done it i've i've personally I've been like, oh, you know, being in PR, I'm like, yes, I could do this. And I, once I start doing it, I regret it immediately. (laughs) I just, I'm like, I need someone else who could do this better because yes, while you can always do something, it's just, if you don't know the nuances, it's just so difficult. Like I, digital marketing, especially with Facebook, right? Everything changes so quickly all the time. Yeah, that's another point I had in my mind was reinventing the wheel. If they're working with people who have done this a hundred times, a thousand times, yeah. then, then you're learning from all that experience. If you're doing it yourself for the first time, you are reinventing this entire thing yourself for your launch, and that's fine, but you don't tend to have the time to be able to do that. And so right. making sure you're using the time you have in the most efficient way is super important. Yeah, no, this is very true. Thank you so much. I think this was great. I think it gives good, good, some good nuggets. Um, so hopefully um, everyone listened well. But again, if you have any questions that we did not answer, um, please email me, Ranjini at thesilvertelegram.com. And Will, where can people find you and Russell Marketing? Yes, yeah, so the website or URL is russellmarketing.co or you can contact me, Will, at russellmarketing.co as well. If you have any questions for me or want to check us out, Yeah, I will uh, put all his information in the show notes like we always do. And um, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a good conversation and I'll probably see you sometime this week. (laughs) All right, thank you. All right, thanks.